I'm teaching on miracles, and I'm, but I'm shifting a little bit. And if you're taking notes, you could write on the top of your notes, the miracle of a worry-free life. The miracle of a worry-free life. How about that? And I've got this in my spirit for you. And, I, and I, let's just pray right now. And then I'm going to trust God for some breakthrough in each and every one of us. Father, I changed all the direction of what I had written down. And um, you know that. And you gave me two beautiful messages. This one, though, is what I'm supposed to share today. So I'm asking you to help me to do a good job with it. And I pray people's hearts would be touched powerfully in the mighty name of Jesus. The mighty name of Jesus. Um, here's where I want to start. Mark chapter 4. And uh, Jesus is on Galilee. And he's just preached of the parable of the sower, a really excellent, amazing message. And then he said, let's go to the other side. They all climbed into a boat, and um, as soon as they got out on the journey, it says in verse 37 of chapter 4 of Matthew, I mean of Mark, did I say chapter 5? I meant chapter 4. It says, uh, and there arose a fierce gale of wind. There arose a fierce gale of wind. I suppose the message I would say, become a Christian and then encounter opposition. I say, give your heart to Jesus and fight the good fight of faith. That's what I'd say. You don't get invited into a flowery bed of ease. You, you fight, a, it's a battle, but it's a good battle. It's a fight of life, but it's a good fight. It's a fight that we win. And um, say, I fight the good fight of faith. We do. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But listen, it says the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. It was getting ready to sink. Jesus himself, however, was in the stern asleep on the cushion. And here's the thing that happened with the disciples. They awoke him up and they said to him, teacher, don't you care that we're perishing? They, they, I must have sounded like Matt Foley in a van down by the river. Teacher, don't you care that we're perishing? It just sounds so dorky, the way these guys challenge the Prince of Peace who has come to help and comfort and strengthen and save humanity. What an insult from the disciples. And he got up and rebuked the wind and the sea, and then he said, hush, be still, and the wind died down, and it became perfectly calm. Then he spun around, and he rebuked the disciples. And he said, why are you afraid? How is it that you have no faith? And uh, he's trying to, he's just taught them about if you have faith, you know, and, and the seed and, and good soil, and it'll bear fruit, and, you know, trusting God. And so he's really admonishing them, look, man. Get over this spirit of fear. Get, get, conquer this, this fear. And they became very much afraid, only I think this was reverential, and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? And I'm going to tell you, it's Jesus, the king, the Lord, the good shepherd. And it was a miracle of the stilling of the storm. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you agree? But I want to talk to you about the miracle of a worry-free life. And I want you to go to Psalm 37, and I want you to read a little bit out of Psalm 37. It's the Psalm of David, and we're going to go back and forth in the Old and New Testament and just show you that, that, that this freedom from worry, is it was birthed in the Old Testament context, and it's bumped up into the New Testament context, and that we can have a miracle life of worry-free living. We really can. Now it says here, it starts out with do not fret. And there are word pictures here I want to give to you. Do not fret of evildoers. And it repeats this advice again in verse 8. It says, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil doing. Do not fret. It leads only to evil doing. So I'm telling you, worry causes problems. It's fascinating how that's worded. Do not fret, it only causes harm, one translation says. And you're going to see in a moment in Matthew that worrying doesn't add a single hour to our life. And um, you know that sands of the hourglass are kind of just dropping away in life. And 
I don't mean to sound morbid, but, but you know, we don't live forever. I mean, we do live forever, not in this earth. So we have a lot of things to do on this life. And the thing I want to tell you is to do it with worry-free living, not worrying about it. Don't, I believe anxiety and, and cares and worries and all that kind of anxiousness, it has to lift off of you right now. We're, we're getting ready. We're experiencing revival. Christians are experiencing something from the Lord right now in a process preparing us. The world is being prepped to be intercepted by people that are preconditioned to be receptive to the harvest of souls. And they're going to come in on broken fragments, just like a shipwrecked. And we're going to be having to retrieve them out of the, the wreckage of life. And God wants us to be in the miracle of worry-free living. And that's why he said, he rebuked them and said, why, didn't, why are you so afraid? And they even questioned, don't you care that we're perishing? And I'm going to show you some things about how much God cares. But look at this in verse, in chapter 37, it says, let's go, do not fret yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious toward wrongdoers. Why? For they will wither quickly like the grass and fade like the green herb. T.L. Osborne, a great minister, said, told me to outlive my enemies. That's what he told me. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and what will happen? He'll give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and what will happen? He'll do it. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noonday. In fact, he has your back. He's your vindicator. He's working things after the counsel of, of his will, and he causes all things to work together for good. The, the worship team just led us that what the devil meant for harm, God turns around for good. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Rest in the Lord. Rely on the Lord. Receive comfort from the Lord. Be still in the Lord. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. Not if, but when. And it, it, it actually says that well, that occasionally will happen. But he tells us, don't worry about it. God's going to work it out. And then it says, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret, it leads only to evil doing. Now verse 8, I want to kind of unpack verse 8. Do not fret, it leads only to evil doing. The Lord showed me this. Times in my personal life when I've gotten over into worry, it's led to evil doing. It's led to suspicion. It's led to unbelief. It's led to fear. It's led to anger. In fact, it says that right above it. It says, it says cease from anger and forsake wrath. You know, anger is, is a good emotion as long as it doesn't dominate us and cause us to sin. Be angry and sin not. There are a lot of things that make us angry, and it, it should motivate us to see social change or alleviate suffering or address need or whatever. You get mad about something, it's like, let's roll up our sleeves and, and make it better, you know, um, but not turn it into some sort of wrathful, angry, vengeful, mean, bitter thing. This idea, do not fret, it only causes harm. The English word fret comes from an old English word, fretten, and, uh, which means to, to devour, to eat, or to gnaw into something. To devour, to eat, or to gnaw into something. Uh, and then the Hebrew word David actually used as he wrote in his original language is kara, which has in its root, as its root, the idea of growing warm and blazing up. Growing warm and blazing up. So let's put these two word pictures together, okay? The gnawing, eating thing and the burning thing. Think of worry as, and I have a friend who remodels old cars, and he does an amazing job. He's like a genius at it. And uh, he told me that mice got into the wiring and chewed up the wiring of this car, beautiful, expensive, nice car, and it just wrecked it. He had to go do all the rewiring just because of a little rodent chewing on the wires. And I just think about how terrible that is, like a rat gnawing on your soul while you're sitting and God's wanting to pour blessing on you. Like, for example, the disciples are in the boat and they're having the fierce gale arises and wind, water's coming into the boat. And who in here honestly wouldn't say, well, I'm freaking out. The boat, is the boat going to sink? 
you know, I've been to Galilee several times. I've been privileged to be there with my wife. And uh, the last time we were there, the guide uh, uh, told us that there was a Christian group out in these boats that are designed to look kind of like the boats they must have used during uh, the time Peter was a fisherman. They're a little bit bigger, you know, but they, to give you that feeling. They were out there teaching on faith, and then a, a storm hit real hard, and they were all laying down screaming and yelling. It was very much like that verse. And he was laughing about it, you know, and I was going, ha, 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 And I thought, I'd do the same thing, you know what I mean? I mean, but for the purposes of this message, I would be, I'd be walking on water, you know. But, but you know, they were on a, a track from point A to point B when Jesus said, let us go to the other side. Then you read in chapter 5 and the several verses at the beginning, they had an encounter with a man filled with an evil spirit whose life was all messed up. And Jesus cast that spirit out of him, addressed that need, and had a tremendous deliverance, which would have been an epic moment of miracle power. But see, listen, I'm convinced we're designed for signs, wonders, and miracles, but we've got to settle into the miracle of a worry-free life and understand that not to fret, do not fret, it says over and over again in Psalm 37. It'll gnaw at you, and think of Satan as an arsonist setting little blazes of distress inside your heart. You know why he would do that? So you run one place after the other, putting out little fires. The devil is a diminishing being. He tries to chip away. He tries to come and steal, kill, and destroy. And uh, especially people who are vital and have potential, people that have a passion to make a difference in the world, people that have a desire and are designed to be fruitful and be effective and be efficient, the devil will, for example, get, uh, try to get us to put out a lot of fires, and he'll try to start a lot of fires. But if we can learn the miracle of a worry-free life, to learn to quickly cast our cares on the Lord and deal with these things as they come, all your promises are yes and amen. We just, the, I feel like the songs lined up for this message tonight without us consulting each other. You know, we're to be spirit-filled, and I believe the Holy Spirit brought you. I love this in-person uh, meeting that we're having. And, and I pray people who have forsaken, forsaken assembly habitually will find their way back. And people that I've had, i met people in the weekends. It's the first time we've been back in a year, you know. And, and I just pray it becomes habit-forming because there's amazing power that happens when we come together in faith. Hallelujah. And so it helps us to run off these stupid rats gnawing at our, con our conscience and these, these little blazes Satan tries to create in our systems. King David is saying something here in Psalm 37. He said in, in verse 25, and I love this verse, he said, uh, I've been young and now I'm old, yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging for bread. He's saying, man, I've been uh, in many situations. I've seen many things. I've suffered many burdens. I've overcome many hardships. I've learned many lessons. I've, I've, I've gone through many trials. And based on a lifetime of experience, said David, my advice is this. Kill off the rats and put out the fires. Do not fret. It only causes harm. Listen, man, 1 Peter chapter 5. I love it because Peter was in the boat saying, don't you care that we're perishing? And I'm sure he sounded like Matt Foley in a van down by the river. If you don't know what I'm talking about, then I guess you, you never watch television. But anyway, listen, first, and you're more spiritual than I am right now. First Peter chapter 5, verse 7, in the, and I'll read this in the Amplified Bible. And uh, uh, it's beautiful in the Amplified Bible. First Peter 5, 7, casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on him. Why? Look at this. Here we go. This is Peter, inspired by the Holy Spirit, who might have been the one who questioned, Master, don't you care that we're perishing? And he says, for he cares for you affectionately, and he cares about you watchfully. He cares for you affectionately, and he cares about you watchfully. I love the way the Translator of the Amplified Bible enhances this with synonyms. He cares for you affectionately with love, and he cares about you watchfully with an eye of concern. I have found this to be the case. This is what David said. Look, man, I've been through a lot of stuff, 
through my youth and into my maturing years, and I've never seen the righteous forsaken or God's seed beg for bread. Come on. Man, the Lord has been so and is so prone to faithfulness that these gentlemen here with what they've just gone through, there they are on the second row worshiping the Lord together as father and son. Mom's home with the Lord. It leaves a huge uh, hole, and we don't ignore that. Death is an enemy, and it's, it is lost, no question about it. But for her, the Bible says to die is gain. So she's present with the Lord, and there's fullness of joy. And that is, in fact, comforting. When you're struggling with that, times I've lost loved ones, that has brought huge hope to me that, that, that uh, they're, they're having a blast. They're having the best time of their life. They don't have any regrets. They don't have any fears. They're not being tempted by the enemy. They don't have sickness to deal with. They don't have the crazy news cycle. They just have the good news cycle. So cast all your cares, the whole of your care, all your, wor- all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on him. Why? Because he cares for you affectionately, and he cares about you watchfully. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6 now. And uh, we've gone into the gospel, and we went into the Psalms. Now we went to an epistle. Let's go back to this, the gospel of Matthew. And uh, I think we're going to end up in Mark chapter 4. And I want to show you things that block blessings that we need to get out of the way. We need to get those gnawing rats out off of our wiring. We need to get Satan the arsonist out of flicking matches on us. Hey, listen, if anybody's going to flick a match on our kindling, I want it to be the Holy Spirit, and I want the fire to be the fire of God. I don't want it to be this nervous, worry garbage. We need to live in the miracle of a a worry-free life. And the only way we can do that is understand that he does care for us and overcome the notion of Mark chapter 4 question, Master, don't you care that we're perishing? That has to be resolved tonight in your heart. Obviously, it happened for Peter. He had an epiphany. He realized, yes, in fact, Jesus does deeply care. He's your vindicator. He's the one that hears and answers prayer. He's your savior. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not according to works, lest any man should boast. He's the one that creates relationship and fellowship for us with him. Ephesians 3, 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you be rooted and grounded in love. He's the one that comes to bring a renewed mind. So Ephesians 4, 23, that you would be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And I hope you understand the potential for a miracle of a worry-free life. Hallelujah. You may be from a long line of worriers. You may be from a family that the way they communicate how much they love you is worrying for you. But man, worry, as you'll see here in Matthew chapter 6, doesn't help at all. In fact, it hinders. Matthew chapter 6, let's look at verse 25. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink or for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? The answer is an emphatic yes, although society is obsessed on food and obsessed on style. But yet God is saying, hey, it's more than that. It's more than food and it's more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, nor do they gather into barns, nor do they, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? Now, if I were an evolutionist and I thought that everything was an accident and there is no God, then I would think we're not worth any more than any other species of animal and that humanity would be on the top heap of the mammal species and humanity would just have been around a little while and blah, 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 blah. But because I'm a Christian and I adhere to the Old and New Testament, then I do recognize, according to what the Bible says, that God made us in his image and in his likeness, and that puts an amazing stamp of value upon humanity. In fact, another verse says it this way, that we are the crown and glory of his creation. So then instead of getting puffed up about it or being uh, arrogant about it, it makes you grateful and, in fact, goes down into your spirit and causes you to understand you have a worth. God esteems you. God values you. 
God loves you so much. God values you so much. In fact, he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. And he says, uh, and you have to answer your question. Are you not worth much more than they? I had a, a witnessing moment and somebody looked at me and said, if dolphins had opposing thumbs, they'd have beat you right up or something like that. I was like, okay, I, all right. I don't even know how to deal with it. I'm just trying to share Jesus with you, lady. I mean, I like dolphins. I grew up with dolphins. I've, sw- I've been out in the ocean with dolphins. They're amazing. I know they have giant brains. I know they communicate with sonar. I know I, I, watch, I binge watch Flipper when I was a kid. I get it, man. It's awesome. And I, it would be awesome if they had an opposable thumb. It would be great. I mean, they'd, you know, because they'd be, you know, they don't have hair to comb, but they, they'd be, I don't know what they'd do, wear sunglasses with it or something. I don't know. But he says, aren't you worth much more than they? And then he says, he says uh, who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Now, the King James says cubit, and cubit is a, a measurement that's about 18 inches. And uh, so it's like, by worrying, uh, who can add an increment of advancement or benefit or enrichment? In fact, I'll tell you, the reason I'm preaching about the miracle of a of a worry-free life is because I'm convinced that worry subtracts cubits from our lives. And that, that Mayo, the starter of the Mayo Clinic back in 1905 or something, he made the comment, he said most of the human maladies that he observed as a medical person had to do with anxiety, stress, worry, and cares. And in modern times, a lot of the prescriptions that are being poured into humanity right now are trying to offset anxiety and depression and so forth. So listen, this is a prescription and a cure for anxiety right here from the words of Jesus. And he goes on and he says, Why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. And yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. You know, my wife had a birthday recently, and some young men in the church teamed up and bought her just one of the greatest bouquets of flowers that my wife and I had ever seen. I mean, they were beautiful. And um, it's funny because they got in a competition, and uh, Chris Lenz said, I want to pay the most. And so then Jason paid a certain amount, and then Chris came back and gave another dollar so that he could say, then on the note to my wife for her birthday, that he paid the most of all the flowers. I thought that was awesome competition. Uh, That's Christian competition. It's like, no, no, I want to outdo it. I want to give more, you know. No, you go first. I think, you know, I I think that's amazing. But the flowers are actually, it's it's been a couple weeks, and they're still still amazing. They're still uh, just radiant and beautiful. It makes me think about what the Bible here says, consider the lilies of the field, uh, how beautiful they are. I, 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 listen, I think flowers are amazing things, aren't they? they? They pop up out of trees and plants, and it's like, wow. You know, we just came through spring here in the heartland, and these flowering trees are just beautiful. I, my favorite is the red bud. I love dogwoods. Uh, it's amazing just to look out and see through the woods, you know, and I noticed this year, the, the dogwoods just seem to be just having a great season. And they just popped out before any green leaves came out. And I, and I would look around in the panorama around where we live here, and I just kept seeing all these little smatterings of these beautiful white flowers on these dogwood trees, and it just ministered to me. And the Bible says we're supposed to consider that, how God actually, he causes these things to be so ornate and so beautiful. He says, look at how these lilies of the field, they don't toil nor, nor do they spin. The dogwoods just, they're out there just doing their thing. And yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. I went to the Temple Institute in Israel and they showed the, the vestments as described in Leviticus for the, for the priests and so forth. And, I, and they showed, they did a, a replicas of what they thought the Ark of the Covenant looked like and the tabernacle and the temple and Herod's temple and so forth and the clothing. And Solomon, in the descriptions of Solomon, in his day, just was blinged out. 
You know, that man was blinged out. He said, but yet, even Solomon in all his glory didn't clothe himself like just this, these beautiful, extraordinary flowers. And he says, look at, look at nature. Look at, look at the birds of the sky and look at the flowers of the field, how God causes those things to thrive and flourish. Uh, and you're worth much more than they. I've had four people testify to me in the last few weeks of getting the greatest raises, greatest bonuses, greatest level of favor at work, and two of the four attributed it to what they've learned in church. And, and I think if we'll listen to this today, you can have a miracle of a worry-free life starting right now. We've already answered the question, Master, don't you care that we're perishing? And he rebuked him and said, why, oh, why are you afraid? Oh, you have little faith. And we think, why Jesus get so hacked off? Because Jesus was trying to raise up these guys above this worry, worrisome life where the, the rats are gnawing at their souls and Satan is creating arson fires all over their, little, all, all over their disposition. And, and by the way, even this service, it's not an escape or a refuge from real life and then we go out and we just kind of wonder what to do the rest of the week. This is an equipping moment. And we're coming together to get vital realities so we could carry it into our marketplace world, our daily life, our household, our thought processes. We get up in the middle of the night, the devil starts hitting us with a bunch of thoughts, we're flip watching the news. You gotta be careful how much news you watch these days. Because when I was a child, objectivity seemed to be, in the journalistic field, a goal. It's slipped to more of a, if it bleeds, it leads, uh, stimulus to keep you watching so you'll buy the hair care products or buy the car or buy the insurance uh, so that you can wash your hair in your car while, and you're insured while you're doing it. Because you need to be insured if you're driving a car washing your hair at the same time. And then I talked to a doctor yesterday. How about those commercials where they go, if you take this medicine, you're going to look younger, stronger, smarter. You're going to be able to see through walls, and you're going to just be able to do backflips around your grandkids. However, just let you know, you might go bald, bloat, and die by taking it. Have a nice day, right? world's crazy. The world's crazy. But we're not in an evacuation escapist mode, although the Lord is our refuge. And we, he is our hiding place. And, but we're not hiding from the world. We're, we're coming before him and being strengthened in order that we can valiantly go forward living in the miracle of a worry-free life. Because we know that he cares about us affectionately and cares about us watchfully. Can I hear an amen? amen. So I continue with Matthew. Look what it says here. And yet I say to you that not even, okay, verse 30. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Our uh, viola player, she's a, kind of a picker, and she does these trades online and sells, buys and sells. And she got a, went to a farmhouse, and a guy bought a, a Biggie jean jacket, a Levi jean jacket from 1971. They bid on it. She got it for a great deal. And the market is such that she's going to multiply her money. And so God just had that set up for her. Bought it from the original guy. And it's going to go out there, and, and uh, there, it's, there's still quite a market for it. In fact, the auctioneer said, I'm, I'm, I heard this is important. All I know is just jean jacket's just a jean jacket. Uh, apparently not. And, and, and so the idea is that, that God blessed her even in her little side thing that she does, and brought a blessing to her. How about that? God will bring blessing to you in your work. These testimonies of these jobs, they're more and more coming in. They're, they're absolutely fantastic. I mean, some of, them, some of them are extreme. One guy said that this is the best raise or the best, the best bonus I've had in 11 years. The boss even said, this is the best bonus you've had in 11 years. And this is in this economy, in this moment, right? Listen, man, the Lord wants to do amazing things in your situation in this context right now. He knew you'd be alive in 2021. He knew you'd be, have this focus that you have right now with this set of circumstances that you're dealing with. He knew that you'd have gone through the fight of life and the challenges over and over again that you've gone through. 
And he has something in store for you that's so precious and so great. Of course, the devil, like a rat gnawing at your wiring or like an arsonist trying to flip matches on you to burn you up, uh, is trying to distract you. But yet there's something beyond that called the miracle of a worry-free life where we can cast our cares upon him and say, God, I'm going to bring this one to you. I'm going to bring this one to you. In fact, we're going to just, oh, I'm, ex- I'm so excited about this. I'm doing good for time. You guys still listening? This is an important message for me to preach, teach, pray, and prophesy, so I'm going to give it to you. Now listen to what it says here. It says, verse 31, Do not worry then, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? Now this is, a, this is very telling. I, I looked at this once, and it says, Now, I read it like this. Do not worry then, saying. And I just stopped there and meditated on that. Life and death is in the power of the tongue, isn't it? And we get specific instruction from Jesus, the Prince of Peace here. And he says, now don't do this. Don't one, walk around saying, what are we going to eat? Listen, when we, went to, we were newlyweds and we went to Bible school, I'm telling you, we weren't irresponsible. We just didn't have a lot of income. We were, my wife had a good job, put herself through college. I worked. I was putting myself through college. We got married. We didn't have much. We stepped out in faith. We felt like, man, we've got to learn these principles because we're, we anticipated big responsibility down the road. And we got to get this now. So we had to believe God for gasoline, for food. We had to believe God for our rent. We found uh, in our town where the Bible school was a place. We looked at many apartments and places like that. And one place was turnkey. It was 100%. It's like... The, the, the price you would pay would cover electrical, gas, as well as rent. And that was just very helpful to me because I thought it's their hot summers and cold winters and then to, you know, ha- get hit with a big uh, fluctuating bill. It was just good to know we had a predictable bill. And the management and the accounting put together, for their benefit, I'm sure, and for the benefit of the renter, that this is, you know, these are the highs and the lows, and this is the average, so you just pay an average. And that was helpful for us with our planning in our household. At least we knew this was predictable and it wasn't going to go up and down. On the other hand, we had somebody who, somebody asked us to have somebody stay at our house. We had been married for a few weeks, and a guy said, hey, can you have this guy live in your house? And, and, I, and I, as a pastor, give premarital counseling, don't do that. But we did it, and this guy lived in it. He was from Israel, and he would call his sister on, on the phone, our, our house phone. And we got the phone bill. In 1978, it was $350. That was like $3,500, or that was like $3.5 million, actually. And I was in the parking lot at, church, at school, and we were young and enthusiastic. And there was a little group of people. We, we were just getting to know each other. We didn't know each other. You know, and this one guy was standing next to me. We held hands out. This is when we used to hold hands and pray before, before H1N1 and, and, and SARS and all that stuff. You know, we used to hold hands. Anyway, so then he, we're praying out in the parking lot. It's between school and work. Uh, I'm going to pack up and go, to, go home. We, we hardly had two nickels to rub together. And I was stressing out about this bill. And I'm standing there, and the guy, we're praying together. And I, I said nothing about any of it. And, and he looked over at me and he said, don't worry about that phone bill. God has you covered. And I went. And to this day, it gives me chills. That man had a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom. And it gave me peace. And you know, the Lord did in, within hours sort that whole bill out. And he also prevented me from wringing that guy's neck, which was also <laughs> a real blessing, man. That was good. It was, I got a twofer out of it. He paid the bill and he prevented me from strangling the guest, which you don't want to do. The Bible says be hospitable without complaint. So you don't want to be, you know, right? So he said, look, he said, do not worry then saying, what do we eat? What do we drink? With what shall we wear clothing or fur clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Did you know that God is in the know acutely on every deal that each individual person faces? This is, again, if I was an evolutionist or I wasn't a believer, I was an atheist, I'd write all this off. But I'm a Christian and I'm a believer in God and I believe this verse wholeheartedly 100%. 
and the mystery of it is a mystery. But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to brag on the bigness of God. He does have this capacity. He does have this ability. Carl Sagan even said one time, I wish there was a Heavenly Father who would care like that, you know. For him, it was, he didn't believe it, but I am a believer. And it brings me not some sort of pacification, so I'm sort of medicated with some sort of superstition. Because who wants that? Would I give 40 years of my life to just get up and talk about superstition? No. I, this, I would not have stayed with this if it wasn't real. I've heard people say, well, even if it's not true, we led a, led a great life. No, if it wasn't true, you led a lie. You lived a lie. Why didn't you just party? Right? But since God is holy and awesome and present to help and faithful and proved his love through Jesus Christ on the cross, and since he spent, sent his Holy Spirit, and since he's laid out his word to us, and since this is absolutely, emphatically, 100% true, then it, we go on to verse 33, which is the epic cornerstone of the, the how-to, the prerequisite for living a miracle, the miracle of a worry-free life. Here's what we do. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. All what things? The things the Gentiles eagerly seek. He says, so don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will, have, will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I would, I would like to go, hey, Jesus, could you just have not have said that last line there? You know, it's like, why would you have to go and throw that in there? Because he's so practical. Because he's, he's not letting us get sucker punched. In John 16, he said, I've spoken these things to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation. He said, but be of good cheer. Take courage. I have overcome the world. If I was a middle school kid, I'd be encouraged by this. If I was, uh, you know, recently widowed or your mom just went to be with the Lord, I would see in this, God's going to walk me through the myriad of my feelings, my heart, broken heart. He's near the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. He's with us in trouble. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. He's our advocate. He's our standby. He's called alongside to help. Do you understand this? Yeah. Salvation, a relationship with him, a renewed mind, a healed body. Trije Whitman, one of our beautiful staff members, her, her husband Chet is here. He ran the live stream last week. She's preaching up in Wisconsin, a testimony on the weekend at a church of how the Lord has done such a great healing in her body. She had a terrible attack, and she was in despair through it in, in, in a battle of her life. She and her husband and kids fought the good fight of faith. The doctor got in faith with them. The doctor told us recently, hey, her testimony is even better than ever. And there are, uns, there are doctors who don't necessarily embrace what we're talking about that are saying, you know what, this is a miracle. When doctors go, I don't even like using this word, but I have to say this is a miracle. I just love it. I want to go, ha, 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 and with my opposable thumb, with the dolphins, go, ha, like flipper, hallelujah, with my opposable thumb. Let's finish with Philippians, okay? Flip over to Philippians, and we'll finish there. We'll finish with Philippians, because everybody say, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all these things will be added to you. Uh, look. I'm going to just crassly advocate for church attendance, and here's why. It's one of those things that are verify, are, we verify as beneficial in the processes of our lives. Even doctors say people that attend a service once a week live longer, and they're not coming from a faith bias. And they say, well, it's because they get together and they socialize, blah, 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 blah. It's like, okay, whatever, whatever, however you try to have to quantify everything. My, my idea is Psalm 91, verse 16. With long life, he satisfies us and shows us his salvation. In his presence, there's fullness of joy. Where two or more are gathered in his name, there he is in our midst. That's why it was, it was disheartening when we were not allowed to fellowship in that first Easter and and it was like, man, okay, you know. It gave us a great understanding that the church is invisible and yet real. But, man, it also showed how important the local church is. 
and spending time together, when the saints come together, when the saints come marching in. Miracle of a worry-free life is possible. And in Philippians, he says in verse 4, to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I got invited to speak at a, a church out of town. I had a conference, and the gentleman that was assigned to, to pick me up at the airport, a nice vacuum clean car, you know, and uh, we're, we're driving along, and, I, and he had praise music on his, on his uh, player. And it was just really background, you know, and I thought, that's really nice. We're driving along, and just, it just, there's this atmosphere of praise. And then the, the pastor of the church, uh, he would take me out in his car. So I get in his car, praise service. And then, in fact, again, I was, I was at a wedding. Another pastor in, in, in the city asked me to preach. And his car had this, this praise music going on. And God inhabits the praises of his people. And um, we used to be really big on that. And I think we probably, that's probably one of the components that will help us and contribute to the miracle of a worry-free life as we just are surrounded with songs of deliverance. I read about Dick Mills. He was witnessing in, in, uh, in L.A., and he had led a guy, I think his name was Jolly, to the Lord. But Jolly's cellmate hated, he was a hater. He had killed five men. And um, he was bitter, and he was threatening to kill Jolly and Dick Mills. And um, they were all out of prison, and Dick Mills was reaching out at a mission, at a halfway house kind of mission. And he tells this story that this guy is threatening him, and, and the, the guy said, there he is, we're curtains. And uh, Dick Mills started sing, singing a song of praise. He said it was a really kind of silly time to be singing. And then Jolly joined in. And so they're singing this song of praise. And uh, this guy walks up and he just huffs. And, he has a gun. And he huffs up, puffs, and walks off, stomps off. and doesn't hurt either of them. And Dick Mills' point was that God surrounds us with songs of deliverance. And you're not going to hear a bunch of morbidity during our praise and worship segments. You're going to hear... Uh, celebration and you're going to hear adoration. You're going to hear word songs that emote the faithfulness of God and try to approach things correctly, biblically, basically featuring the victory that we have in Jesus Christ. And when we come together, it's not some, some morbid defeatist moment. This is victory, man. This is where we're getting fueled and filled for the miracle of a worry-free life. And I'm hearing over and over again testimonies of people in the marketplace on their jobs having significant breakthrough of favor when whole groups are shifting and they're able to retain their jobs because they have favor, because they're doing their work heartily under the Lord, because they're keeping a good spirit, they're prayerful, they're contributing, they're not secretive, they're really supporting their, employ their, their employer, they're not kind of putting the pressure on the boss where they have to think for them and the boss wonders what they're doing and, and that's a really tough when you have people working for you that never really communicate adequately with you because you have to do thinking for them and so they're working and they're being blessed and people are appreciating it there's an anointing on a, the miracle of a worry-free life hallelujah okay I'm coming back to this look at this verse 6 be anxious oh let your gentle spirit be known to all men the Lord is near the next time somebody, even though the CDC said you don't have to wear masks anymore and all that, and then they get up on your grill and be, let your gentle spirit be known to all men. When a 19-year-old gets up in your face and starts telling you what to do, just keep a gentle spirit. God will not only take care of the phone bill, but he'll prevent you from strangling the person that ran the phone bill up, right? Look at this. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Isn't that so good? Isn't that amazing? Wow. Okay, let's, uh, did I say I was going to finish there? I got one more verse, Mark chapter 4. And this is interesting because when I was in the back there, Joe prayed, one of the guys back there prayed this exact verse. And this verse was right down, written, it was one of the first verses I wrote. Mark chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. I'm going to close with this. So you can have a miracle of a worry-free life. You can learn how to fret not. 
so that the rats don't gnaw your electrical system and the arsonist doesn't flick matches and burn you up in a little, so you're constantly putting out fires. My wife and I deal with it. We're required to plan big plans for the long range that influence multitudes of people. You know the devil wants to gnaw on our wiring and the devil have us use all our energies all day to put out fires. So I'm preaching this to myself as well as to you to help you out so you could have the miracle of a worry-free life. Mark chapter 4 talks about how the seeds are sown and they don't have a good outcome. Verse 18, others, the seeds are sown and the ones on whom seed was sown among the thorns. Everybody say thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word. Look at this. And this is the description of thorns. But the worries of the world, deceitfulness of riches, desires for other things, enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Wow. The King James says, cares of the world, thorns. Do you remember in the Garden of Eden, I think there were no plants with thorns. Even the flowers that the men gave to my wife for, for her birthday, the young men, uh, that the roses had thorns on them. I believe in the garden before the fall, there were no thorns. There were no plants like, uh, that had poison, like poison ivy and that kind of thing. And uh, I, I hear people go, well, what about weed? It's like, come on. Don't pull me out of that. Come on. Why'd you even think that? I'm trying to overcome stupid. I don't need to give myself an additional case of it. I don't think they were rolling doobies. I didn't see anything in Hebrew that Chief Chong were hanging out in the garden. <laughs> Come back, please. This is, this is a miracle of a worry-free life. It's my fault, but here we go. Everybody say worries of the world. The emphasis is this age, and here are some translations. Anxieties of the age, particular to the times. Worries of the time, good speed translation. Anxieties of life. Uh, so... Those are thorns. When Adam fell, the, gar the, the ground was cursed and it produced thorns. But yet, what crown was Jesus wearing on the cross? A crown of thorns. So he took upon himself all the worries, all the cares, all the sickness, all the disease, all the sin, all the temptation, all the darkness. Can I hear an amen? amen. Deceitfulness of riches, the lure of riches, false glamour of wealth, Deceiving pleasures of being rich. I stood over a man that was very, very, very wealthy. In his last breath, I said, uh, instruct those that, to, that have, well, I'll just read it to you, what I said to him. Because I said, I've come, to, I've come to lead you to the Lord. And he said, well, show me what you got. And um, i got to find this verse for you so that I can get this over to you. Because God wants us to prosper. And, and having abundance is a blessing. But yet he said, instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. So see, God, the Bible says in another verse, you've got to judge scripture with scripture. Let them continually say, the Lord be magnified who delights in the prosperity of his people. He wants us to be blessed. But he just doesn't. He doesn't want us to have imbalance and get caught up in what's called the deceitfulness of riches, where it's the deceitful part, where it's like you ignore God and it's just all about cash flow. And he's saying, no, you got to put your hope in God. And in the last minute, this guy did, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to be good, to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. And then also it says, lastly. Here's another thing that can be a blessing blocker that can hinder miracles of the miracle of a worry-free life. The desire for other things, cravings, lusts for many other things, choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. So getting back to the big kind of underscoring of this message is don't worry, don't worry, don't get worried. Realize that worry doesn't add a single hour to your lifespan. In fact, it subtracts. Get away from worry, worrying about things, right? In fact, I heard a minister say, I think it's less of a sin to cuss than it is to worry. And so that doesn't say, okay, so then you could cuss. He's basically saying, because he's from a holiness movement where they knew not to let any unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. They knew how taboo swearing was. They knew how taboo swearing was. So he used that to say, 
because he saw people that were in the holiness movement that were really adamant about not swearing, but worrying. So he had to tie it together and say, hey, you know, I think this is a worse sin than that. <gasps> well, we know that's bad. But then they had to learn that, remember Jesus said, Fear, fret not. He said, oh, ye of little faith, why are you freaking out? And Don't you care that we're perishing? Right? Yeah. Let's all stand up on our feet. These things will try to choke the word and make it unfruitful. But I believe right now I've done a lavish job of weeding. I got the string trimmer out, and I just weed whacked right out all kinds of weeds. And we've just pulled them up from the roots. And everybody say salvation. salvation. Say covenant relationship. A renewed mind. A healed body. A spirit-led existence. And longevity. With long life he satisfies me. As my days are, so shall my strength be. I was young, and now I'm not so young. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken or God's people beg for bread. I believe God for the miracle of a worry-free life. I cast all my worries, all my anxieties about my future, about what to wear, what to eat, where to live, how to work, all the decisions, all my relationships, my finances, my country, our future, our kids. I cast my worries on the Lord. And I seek first His kingdom, His righteousness, then all these things are added to me. Listen, if you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, submit to Him, surrender to Him. Romans chapter 10 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. It's not by works. It's not by performance. It's a dedication, a surrender. It's called repentance. It's available to everybody. High church, liturgy, atheist, religious person, or irreligious person. Whatever field you're in, whatever background you're from, whatever socioeconomic level you're in, God has a plan for you and he loves you.